FFC, we start at the book of Revelation today, one sermon down, 21 to go. (laughs) Uh, we're, We're about to have a panel here, and I want to stress that we are about to talk through some things that are not necessary to understand the content of the book. Uh, that's why I did not give this in the sermon. It's not, necessar- it's not necessary to grasp uh, the book of Revelation. So we're we going to get in the weeds just a bit on the panel. And that's why he invited me along, because it's not important. <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're going you're, you're to find this helpful. I don't want you to think you have to master all these views or have to understand this. You, you, you really don't, but there are some controversial things that we wanted to deal with on a panel. There are four main ways to approach the book of Revelation, and and it's hard to summarize these views without being a bit reductionistic, um, but we're going to risk it. We're going to try it. Uh, Maybe not everyone will agree with our assessment, and that's fine, but this is is how we see it. So there's four main views, uh, how people hold one of these four main views approaching the book of Revelation. View number one is is a preterist view. This view sees everything in Revelation as already completed. There are a couple wrinkles to this. There's preterist, partial preterist, but that's basically it. With a few exceptions, this is just a a historical book. All the predictions about the horses and dragons were fulfilled during the fall of Jerusalem and the temple in AD 70. And especially the verse we covered today, the time... um, it, it will it will come soon, mm-hmm. you know. It will come soon. So they take that 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 is coming soon. AD seventy was hyper literally, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so R.C. Sproul, there's some good brothers who yep, love we the quote Lord. all the time. Yes, yeah. hold to this, R.C. Sproul, uh, and we have some folks in our church. I'm sure that are preterist as well. I, I'm pretty positive of that. Uh, but Dan, you, are you familiar with this view? What do you think about it? What do you like about it, not like about it? I wasn't quite as familiar with this uh, before uh, until uh, last few years, but uh, some great theologians have believed this. Um, and as someone who loves history myself, I can see uh, at least um, uh, they have a point that probably some of, uh, of the events were uh, pictured by AD 70. There just seems, of course, any kind of disaster and, and uh, could fit <laughs> in history yes. uh, could fit with that. But I think there is probably some, I, I certainly wouldn't uh, commend being a full preterist, certainly to those who uh, would, would deny that Jesus is going to return in liberal form. That's where right. I don't that's, think you can still heretical. claim to be a Christian, yes. uh, but um, you could be a full preterist as far as interpreting Revelation, but still believe what the rest of the New Testament teaches, that Christ right. is coming back again. There will be a yes. final judgment um, and one of two fates for all of humanity based on whether you accept Christ or not. Partial uh, preterist is mainly what we're dealing right. with here. Exactly, yes. exactly. I think, I think there's some value, but I wouldn't hold to that uh, rigidly as I look at the book of Revelation. Right. I do like about that approach that they're always asking, how would the original readers have read it? Mm. And I'm imagining the original readers would have thought... Yeah the whore, you know, was wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and there's good re- evidence that, uh, historical evidence that the reason that there were hardly, if any, Christians in Rome when it was sacked in AD 70 is because people interpreting it very literally and, and reading the signs of the times, getting out of Jerusalem before the Romans destroyed it, um, that could have been the, the result of Christians saying, hey, maybe we should get out of Jerusalem here. Yes. So I certainly wouldn't dismiss uh, preterism. I just don't think it's sufficient for the entire book necessarily. Yes. And I agree as well. My main hangup with the preterist view is the dating of the book, because mm. I think the book was actually written after I agree. A- AD 70. In the 90s, not in, yes. the, in the um, 70s or yes. earlier than 70. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but the whole view 
rides on the book being written about eighty, you know, sixty-eight, yeah. and so we we would. I hold to a different view than that, but that's not a partial preterist. It's not a his, it's not a heretical position. Uh, R.C. Sproul and, and and others. Now R.C. Sproul's with the Lord now, so I think he holds to my position <laughs> instead of preterist, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. Okay, view number two is a futurist view. So preterist view and then futurist view. That is where chapters four through twenty-two are all future. There's some wrinkles there too. Sometimes six through twenty-two, uh, but these events are all awaiting us. And there's some, this is the big dispensational view. I mm-hmm. call them dispies. There are some crazy dispies, but then there are, there are some that are, that are not crazy, okay? And their positions are not wild. I don't want to deal with the crazy, um, but the, the legit view here that John MacArthur holds, Stephen Davey holds, you know, I read after these men a lot. Uh, they really boast of the, the literal interpretation uh, this has been the dominant view for, for quite a while. I'm guessing the Schofield Bible had an influence mm-hmm. in that as well. But are you familiar with this view? What do you like about it? What do you not like yeah. about it? Yeah, well, I, I would imagine like, I was growing up in very much dispensational uh, uh, view of this, and I think there's some value, to, uh, definitely value to that. And, uh, you know, and, and the futurist view, I definitely agree with it, that certainly there's good chunks of the book of Revelation that are still future to our time and during this time. I mean, to me, it clearly is talking about the end of human history mm. and the beginning of Christ's eternal uh, kingdom. Yes. Good Christians can disagree about the chronology, the timing of an event, how much has already occurred and how much is yet to occur from where we are here in the 21st century. So I definitely believe that at least some aspect of the book of Revelation is yet for the future, even from our perspective. I agree. I agree with that as well. Literus, um, the, the futurist view often says, if the plain sense makes sense, seek no more sense. Um, now I do think a, a weakness with that view is, is at times they ignore the genre. They ignore apocalyptic literature, mm. and um, I mean, I read a lot of a lot of dispensational commentaries, and 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 they're really just really hard on the other views. You know, we're the only view that does the literal interpretation, and I'm like, but you but you don't always. You know, Jesus had a had a double edged sword. Are you going to follow that literally? No, no one does a strict literal interpretation throughout the whole book, and I, I do think. So, Theological gymnastics um, yeah. happen yeah. in that sometimes, and then to, to some people might 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 be cautioned like, "Oh, do you not believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible?" Listen, we believe in taking literal things literally, yes. but you cannot deny that throughout Old and New Testament there is symbolic language. Yes. Now we can't use that as an excuse, as some people do, of just throwing out any inconvenient passage yes. that isn't fit with the times or that is hard uh, to accept. Um, certainly not that, but we we even the most literal person has to agree that there's figurative language. Even when the Bible yes. talks about the sun rising, we could all, you know, be pedantic and be like, oh, well, technically the earth is rotating on its axis. <laughs> right. But like, listen, we use figurative, where we know figurative language, and certainly in some of this apocalyptic and prophetic uh, literature, think, just think of the book of Ecclesiastes and all the wild visions there. It's clearly, there's a lot of symbolism yes. there. And so it's not disregarding a literal interpretation of the Bible to yes. realize that the Bible contains symbolism. Yes. So you take figurative language figuratively, uh, you take literal language literally, yes. you recognize the importance of symbols, and then you just have charity to your other Bible-believing Christians who believe in inerrancy, believe in yes. the gospel, but might interpret symbolic language differently. Yes. I always say, like, historical grammatical interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't do literal? A historical grammatical. I'm recognizing the, mm-hmm. the genres of Scripture. Right. Yes. Okay, view number three is the historist view. Uh, this sees the book of Revelation as revealing the history of the church. 
um, what, most of the Reformers, your Anabaptist held to this, um, pretty common Protestant interpretation for a while. Uh, Whitfield, Wesley, Wycliffe, Huss. Uh, Wycliffe and Huss thought the office of the Pope, you know, was the Antichrist. Yeah, um, yeah people who were about to be burned at the stake. Yes. Uh, I can see how they might think that that was the corrupt uh, power, the <laughs> no dragon, doubt. the beast, and everything. Yeah, but again, it just shows how, like, we can be so have historical blinders on and think that our time's the worst. And of course, mm. the, the, the supreme evilness of Hitler and his regime, I'm reading Rise and mm. Fall of the, of the Third Reich right now, absolutely evil and yes. rightly understood as the epitome of evil. You can understand how Christians in the 30s and 40s thought Hitler might be the Antichrist. Mm. Yes. And so there's uh, historical development mm -hmm. often, the, the historist view will do it where it's starting at Christ's resurrection and they think you can find the year 1200, that you can find the year 1450 mm -hmm. in the book of Revelation. And, it, and usually they line it up with the Western church. Right. You know? um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, let's see here. They see Muhammad as the fallen star and uh, Alaric the Goth as the first trumpet, Elizabeth I as the first bull. Um, and so you often hear about Laodicean age too, mm -hmm. you know, that, yes. that type of stuff. So. It, what are your thoughts? On, yeah, honestly, this would be the one I'd be most tempted to of my own nature. Because, you know, I'm really? a history geek. I love history. Yes. I love studying history. I love timelines, knowing where everything fits together. So I could, I could totally see myself being drawn to this. But it's actually the one I think is the least likely. Um, just agree. because it's so subjective. Like, really, this could be this. It could be that. Unlike the book of Daniel when you preach through there, where it seems we have the history and it really just seems so obvious. Seleucid dynasty, the Ptolemaic dynasty is so much more speculative here. Right. Um, that, I mean, you just, there's just no way to be certain. And I, th I really feel like trying to talk about the seven churches like their church ages, yes. you really miss out on the practical application to all churches of all time yes. um, that we each need to hear these messages to the seven churches. Yes. And uh, again, it's just so speculative. I mean, even though some of the great reformed theologians that I love so much felt that, doesn't mean I have to agree that they're, 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 the, the lens that which they interpreted Revelation was uh, correct. So even though I think it's you know good men of God throughout the, the ages have held to this view, I think it's actually one of the least likely, least helpful lens to interpret Revelation. I, I agree as well. That's the one that I think is, is the worst. You know, it's not a prof prophetic outline of church history. And they often abuse church history to make it fit mm -hmm. into their categories. The fourth view, the idealist view, um, the idealist view is that this book is not about any particular beast or whore, but it's all symbolic terms to give us a Christian philosophy of history. Uh, Revelation is showing a constant struggle between good and evil. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts with the idealist view? Uh, I, I think it has some, some merit. I just wouldn't use it as the only lens with which I view Revelation. So I think they're really helpful uh, to think about the the beast as the temptation to just submit to raw earthly power. Um, the false prophet uh, is the temptation to follow false religious teaching and false uh, religious leaders. And then uh, the prostitute is that constant temptation to uh, submit to worldly pleasure and wealth uh, as a temptation. So there's value in seeing, uh, and I think that that view can help us draw practical uh, daily Christian living uh, um, 
applications from the text, I just don't think it is sufficient for, there's clearly, I believe the futurists are right, that, uh, that there are future events that this is talking right. about uh, that, that will come, uh, despite the figurative language, uh, the symbolic language. And the preterists have a point that some of these could have been uh, foreshadowed by AD 70. I mean, we, we know from looking at uh, pro Bible prophecy in the Old Testament, looking to the new, that yes. there's often like mountain ranges. You see, you, uh, the prophets see the, the peaks, but they don't see the valleys yes. in between. Like the pro It's very doubtful that the prophets totally understood that Messiah would come first in, in lowly humbleness to be the suffering servant of Isaiah, and only after a big gap come back as the conquering yes. uh, lion. So it's entirely possible in, in, in Revelation that there was... There was an early fulfillment in AD 70, and even perhaps uh, the historicists are right that there could be later fulfillment throughout church history, but it'd just be too speculative to be dogmatic, yes. in my opinion. But I also believe that there is future uh, application. Uh, yes. that will, other passages of Scripture are clear that there will be an end. There will be a day of the Lord, a judgment of the living and the dead. Christ's parables are clear. There will be a sorting of the true believers and the non-believers. Um, and so I think if, if you were to just do idealist, you'd get maybe some wonderful practical applications. But again, like you're saying, the first audience understood that it had some real uh, right. concrete application. And I think we there's yet fulfilled uh, uh, futurist um, uh, fulfillment for us even here in the 21st right. century. And there are some in the idealist ca uh, camp that are accused of allegory, and rightly so. Mm -hmm. You know, that there's no actual historical events. That Well, that's what the view holds. Um, and, and then I think some of the dispensationists push back on the idealist view, accusing them all of using allegory and as a collection of myths to betray truth. And so, so some of these views are not very kind to one another and, and tend to demonize one another. But view number one, you have um, your, what, what was it, I, idealist? And that's R.C. Sproul. You know, if you oh, the preterists. Pre yeah, preterists. preterists. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. yes, preterists, and that's R.C. Sproul. View number two would be your uh, futurist. Futurist, And yeah. so that's like your, your, your J-Mac, John MacArthur. And then your view number three. Um, Historicist. Yes. And then, and then that would be the reformers. Yeah, a lot of the reformers just, and especially they saw like they saw the, um, you know, the Antichrist and the Beast as the papacy and, and, yes. and, and Rome. And then you got your idealist, that would be like your Graham Goldsworthy, your uh, G.K. Bill, who actually wrote, I think, the gold standard on, mm -hmm. on um, Revelation. And I think this view, the idealist view, is the one that's growing now. Mm -hmm. I think it's becoming more and more common. But, you know, there are different names for these views, too. It could be some people have, have termed them past, continuous, future, and timeless. Um, but would you just tell me the four views? We just listed brothers that we agree with and love and quote often around here. What, what do all these positions have in common? I guess the, the, those that are uh, believers in Christ... Uh, you know, and, and, and hold to the, the inspiration and inerrancy of the scripture, they all believe that uh, Christ is coming back literally. Yes. And that, as I remember hearing Mark Dever preach on the second half of Daniel, in the end, God wins. Mm. The great comfort is regardless of how you feel like all these events are going to shake out, God has it planned down to the very detail. And I think he intentionally uh, does not want us to know the details. Uh, there's the, you'll get to it eventually, but there's that passage where seven thunders utter something, and John's about to write it down, and, and the angel says, no, 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 don't write that bit down. Right. So the idea that we have to know all the details, where we are in history, 
I just think that is uh, mistaken. But I, I like how you're focusing on what does it say about Christ? It is the revelation of Christ. Mm. It is not the revelation of end times uh, prophecy for the sake of it. And I liked how you're talking about the, the meaning of apocalypse is revealing, which is so funny because today we associate it with a disaster. Right. We think of a zombie apocalypse. Yes. Brain-eating dead people are trying to take over the world. Or the for the longest time during the Cold War, we talked about the threat of nuclear apocalypse. Mm. Apocalypse is a revealing. It's not an end times disaster. Mm. Yes. Um, so even that it has been so much shaped by... Um, now, will there probably be some end times disasters? I think so. But right. like, it is ultimately a revealing of Jesus yes. Christ. So, I, you know, there's a danger. Some, someone may... You guys may ask, why don't you present these four views in a sermon and then tell us which one you hold and then work through the book. Well, I think it's dangerous when you start with a system and then go to the Bible. Mm. Let the Bible develop your system. Um, you know, some people have, have had church splits over this, end times and revelation and, and all, of that, all of that madness. We're not, we're not nervous of, about that. We have a mature congregation here, and we've, yeah. we've, we've spent um, a lot yeah. of time training our people how to historically, grammatically walk through the text. Um, let's talk about where you stand, what view you stand, um, what, what view I have. I, I don't really like to show my hand and let people know where I'm coming from, because then if you hold to one of the others, then you're like, you just, you just tune us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't like to tip my hand, but if you are going to pigeonhole me and force me, I would say I hold to view number five. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought there were only four. <laughs> wait, there, there's actually a fifth view. Um, you want to, you want to talk to us about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's called the eclectic or, um, it just basically uh, believes that there's a combination of benefits from the others. Maybe not as much the historicist. We right. both of us agree. Like, did hey, I it's say, not like it's invalid, but it's. Did I say historist early instead of historist? I honestly. I, uh, I may have. All right, go ahead. Historicist, yeah, historist. I'm not exactly sure uh, which it is. It's just you know, extra well, if, syllables. If there, if there is. Um, if there is a debate on pronunciation, I'm pretty sure you're right on that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, whatever. But there's the, the, the other yeah. three positions. So you're partial preterist, mm -hmm. not the legit preterist, but you're partial preterist, you're futurist, and you're idealist. You, you, you see some merit yeah. in... I see, a, yeah, a, a, a value of the combo, a combination of it. And honestly, if folks are wanting to do a little bit more study on this, one of the things I did to just kind of prepare for today is uh, the ESV Study Bible in the Intro to Revelation has a wonderful breakdown of these five different views oh, that we're really? talking about, as well as the different views on the millennium, as well as D.A. Carson's NIV uh, study Bible has some really excellent stuff. Just basically explaining these five views, but also making the important point that I think we need to understand is that you can be a gospel-believing, Bible-believing Christian and hold the various ones of these. Or you can be like kind of you and I, still working through it. We're, we we want to just continually be learning and letting the scripture shape um, our, our views. And so, you know, and it's one of those things, some people can be taught in either in Bible college or they had an influence or pastor uh, who I'm sure was a gospel preaching uh, person, but they, they would give you the indication that it's really important that you figure out which of these <laughs> no, you are yes. or that you hold to theirs. And they'll actually like, you explain that you're still working through it and they like try to convert you <laughs> yes. to their view, why it's important to be dispensationalist. Or I've had other friends in the other camp actually yes. act like dispensationalism is borderline heresy. I'm like, right. no, 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 come on guys. That's just, yes. this is not the gospel here. Yes. It's not unimportant. So I don't believe in just like acting like it doesn't matter at all. Yes. We should always grapple with scripture and take heed to what great men of God have, have always have thought about it. Um, 
But yeah, our big point is here, if you look at the statements of faith for this church, the New Hampshire Baptist Confession, the statements on inerrancy and, and, um, biblical, and manhood. biblical manhood and womanhood, you'll notice that they don't require you to have a view on end times eschatology right. other than that believe that Jesus is coming back. Right. And so if we felt that this was a test for Christian fellowship, it would be in our doctrinal statements. Right. And so you don't have to hold to one or, or any of these views necessarily to be a member of this church. And right. we certainly don't because we don't believe yes. that it's necessary for I actually, salvation. I actually do not like the views at all. I think it's, I think it, it, it hinders. Mm-hmm. I, I really think it hinders. I think it complicates it. That's why I wanted to emphasize to you, I don't think it's necessary for yes. you to understand the book. I think it further complicates it. And again, it's just making you commit to a system and then go to the Bible. I also hold view number five, which would be more eclectic. That's letting each of the three positions interact in such a way that their strengths are maximized mm. and their weaknesses are minimized. We didn't create the eclectic position. The eclectic position is out there. Mounts holds to that. He's mm-hmm. a well-known scholar. I think the strongest New Testament um, theologian of our day, Tom Schreiner, mm-hmm. Southern Seminary, holds to that. Tom Schreiner is another example of someone that changed. He held to a certain position and then preached through the book of Revelation and changed. Mm-hmm. The Bible changed Which shows amazing humility to yes. be like, I have, you have bub- published books. Yes. <laughs> saying one view and then to just be like, hey, the scriptures changed my mind. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We all ought to be that yes, humble right. that we're willing to to again, like we like we were talking about the the proto uh, Protestant Reformation yes. in my church history class this yes. morning, is be willing to be like, hey, what do the scriptures say? And evaluate my traditions and what I've been taught according to scripture. Yes, That's what I we agree. should be continually doing, not just a one-time Yes, thing. I agree. Osborne is another theologian who holds to that, but all of them have re- re- redeemable elements, or at least yeah. the, the three for sure. I wanted to read you something by Tom Schreiner, and uh, he talks about he holds this eclectic approach. The approach taken, this is out of this commentary, the approach taken in this commentary is a combination of the preterist, idealist, and futurist views. Revelation was written to churches in the first century who understood and were edified and challenged by the book. The idealist view rightly sees the prophecies as consisting of patterns and correspondences, so that was... So that was prophesied relates both to the first century and to all the churches throughout history until God consummates his purposes and plans. I will argue that the pattern or correspondence character of the prophecy helps us see how the words of Revelation spoke to the first century, the church throughout history, our time, and the end of the ages. At the same time, the idealist view must also incorporate what you said, the future, into into its reading. For John forecast also the denouncement of God's purposes in, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I think that's just a wonderful view of being like, hey, let's just, I think that all of those views spring from the Bible. They're not speculative right. and will allow us uh, to, to, to get meaning from the passage. And honestly, I just love one of the things that you uh, said today in today's sermon is like this is this book was not made to make us fearful. Yes. To be fearful about current events or world events or anything else. And, and, and that's the, my big takeaways. You you were speaking both to Christians and non-Christians today. For Christians, you should be encouraged by this book. As we go through and as we grapple with difficult, far out, trippy uh, visions going yes. on here. Um, it, you should be encouraged that God has it all figured yes. out. Our side will win. Mm. All those who are martyred or persecuted will be vindicated. Yes. All those who committed acts of injustice against us will be condemned. Uh, Christ will sit on his throne forever and ever yes. and ever. Uh, amen. And that'll be our great encouragement. And for non-believers, 
I'm glad you spoke to them today, but they need to be warned. Like, yes. yeah, regardless of how all these these terrifying visions are are going to play out, they do communicate the just wrath of God. Mm-hmm. God is not a, like a pagan deity who is who is wrathful without reason and must be appeased. He is uh, angry because he is good and just. Yes. And so if you continue to disbelieve in Jesus or to try to earn your own salvation through religion or your own works, or you just refuse to submit to Christ um, and, and let him govern your life, you the curses of this book will fall on you in one way or another. Yes. So there's encouragement for the believers and a legitimate warning for non-believers Amen. to submit to the lamb who was slain. Yes, yes. We have three pastors at this church, uh, Dan, myself. If you have any questions, um, email the third pastor, (laughs) (laughs) Daniel Hurd at, I don't even know his email, but um, yeah, this has been great. I'm so looking forward to the rest of Revelation. Mm -hmm. We got 21 more sermons to go, and um, man, I I I was so helped today just walking through those three verses. But church, we love you and look forward to seeing you when we start at verse four next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.